My name is Michelle and welcome to Romcom Weekly. Today I'm joined by my husband Frank and we are talking about forgetting Sarah Marshall. Hi everyone. So a few broad strokes about this movie. It came out in 2008. It stars Jason Segel, Kristen Bell, Mila Kunis, um, Russell Brand and Jonah Hill. It's directed by Nicholas Stoller, who this is actually his feature film debut. He oh. did movies like Neighbors, uh, Friends from College, that TV Netflix show that we watched. This was his first feature. I had no idea. Yeah. So the IMDb summary is, Devastated Peter takes a Hawaiian vacation in order to deal with the recent breakup with his TV star girlfriend, Sarah. Little does he know, Sarah's traveling to the same resort as her ex, and she's bringing along her new boyfriend. The IMDb.com rating is 7.1, and it made over $100 million at the box office. So let's dive right in. Um, Frank, what would you rate this movie on a scale from 1 to 5? I would give this movie a 5 out of 5. Whoa. This is one of my favorite movies of the rom-com genre, and one of my favorite movies out of Judd Apatow's uh, production slate as well. So really enjoyed it, really resonated with me. Um, Five out of five. Wow. Okay. So I actually rated this quite high as well. I gave it a 4.75. Oh, we could do decimals? I didn't even know we could do decimals. You are like the decimal king. Okay. I'll save the decimals for next time. Okay. Fine. Fair. Um, what did you like about the movie? Let's start easy, but this might be a long list because I think we liked a lot about this movie. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed was that there's, there's no real villain there's no manipulative, manipulative type person that's like trying to enact an agenda. All the characters are relatively genuine in what they're trying to achieve. And I really enjoy consistency. And everybody just behaved very close to what you would expect them to do throughout the entire movie. There's no surprises, there's no gotchas. And for me, it reduced the sense of anxiety that I get in a lot of, uh, of rom-coms. Yeah, you don't like misunderstandings. Nope. There's nope. not a lot of whole misunderstandings in this movie. It's just kind of people are who they are, and it's kind of like let the chips fall where they may kind of thing. Exactly. Um, I One of the reasons why I like this movie is that it feels like a very original rom-com. So this came out in 2008. Um, I think when this came out, a lot of these traditional rom-coms were very women-focused, but because like it's a Judd Apatow movie it's a little bit more uh, driven from the male's perspective. And I mm -hmm. think this one is very specifically a male perspective. It's Peter, and we see him kind of fall apart, which I don't think we see a lot in movies where the guy is the one who's the heartbroken one, and mm -hmm. he has to heal and lick his wounds, and he's so openly vulnerable with you know, his heartbreak. Yeah, he was licking his wounds for like the first third of the movie. It's yeah. like a... Sad puppy. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I liked is that Peter, Jason Siegel, who actually wrote this movie, he is not like your average... Or, sorry, he is your average guy. He's not some Brad Pitt, debonair kind of guy. So I think watching this off the bat, he's a very likable person. He's not like, oh, there's no way that... Well, okay... He seems very average to have landed Sarah Marshall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So she's out of... Well, you know, just looking at the surface, she's out of his league. 
Yeah, it's the the whole movie star slash uh, rock star sort of layer on top of everything seemed to enable a lot of the hijinks and the comedy that took place in the movie, but the the actual troubles that the characters were having can be recognized in all of our day-to-day interactions. Right. So it kind of lends itself well to people watching. Yeah. I think, like, to that point, Peter's emotions are really relatable. We all kind of maybe understand what heartbreak is, what it feels like to not be good enough or feel insecure, and then, like, trying to get over that heartbreak where there's a lot of struggle. There's a whole bit where he's sleeping with a bunch of random women. Um, He, like, just stays at home for two weeks, and his stepbrother, Brian, played by (laughs) Bill Hader... Um, try so hard to get him out of the house and you know like we've all been there we've had that just leave me alone don't want to do anything anything else you liked about it uh no, nothing specific i'm sure we're going to dive into a little bit more detail later about those things i'm just gonna off the bat also shout out the entire supporting cast of this movie i think that they really make this movie hilarious so it's bill Hader who plays the stepbrother Paul Rudd, who plays Chuck, the surf instructor. Kristen Wiig, who plays a very, very short little cameo as the yoga instructor. Jonah Hill, who plays the fan-obsessed of Aldous Snow. And then Russell Brand, I think he's not a you know, supporting cast. He's, he's one of the main characters, I would say. Also, I didn't know who Russell Brand was until I saw this movie. Yeah. Was this like his introduction to the world, or was he independently famous before this? He may have been independently famous. I think this was also the first movie that introduced me to Russell Brand. Mm. And actually, I think this was the first movie that introduced me to Kristen Bell. Um, I wasn't... She was on Gossip Girl. I she think was? this is she was the, She's the voice of the narrator. Oh. XOXO Gossip Girl. What's XOXO? That's how she like signs off on the show. I've never watched it, but I know that's what she says in the movie, in the show. So... That was refreshing for me to see someone like I hadn't known before come onto the screen and play this character. I was like, oh, who is this woman? I felt intrigued by her and I really, I kind of, she doesn't play super likable, but, you know, we come to like her. I don't know if you come to like her. I didn't come to like her. I, I think she represents a type of individual and when you you mentioned like relatable mm-hmm. the scene where she's with Peter and uh, Russell Brand's character Aldous has broken up with her and is leaving she talks to Peter and says I tried really really hard wait let's pump the okay brakes. sorry sorry as Brian says pump the brakes um, let's let's get to that later we can dive deep into that a little bit later down the road um, are there any things that you didn't really like about the movie I mean, these are really, like, nitpicky types of things. Sure. But in terms of realism... Okay. I know Peter's in this heartbreak state, and he's, you know, hopped on a plane, landed on Oahu, and is presumably just driven in a cab to this five-star resort. hmm Why don't you make reservations, I don't know, after you land at the airport, while you're in the car ride? Like, don't you have any wherewithal at all to think, I should maybe call before I show up. Mm. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I think that part is not exactly totally realistic. Um, did he have a plan B? What was he thinking? I think he maybe wasn't thinking is the whole idea. He's just so in his own fog and cloud of heartbreak that he's just like, I'm going to give this a shot. Um, yes, that is nitpicky. I have other nitpicks too. Should we just yeah, air yeah. them out now? Yeah. Okay. Um, the scene that I, one of the scenes that I actually really love, but the one nitpick is that when Rachel, who is Mila Kunis mm-hmm. and Peter are on that hike, this really, really difficult hike, they're hiking in flip-flops. Oh, without water. Yeah, that really makes me irritated because they say multiple times that it's a really hard hike, yet they're in flip-flops. And that doesn't... No, That's it's so irresponsible. Sa- it's a safety concern. If you don't have water and exactly. you get stuck there, you could get dehydrated. Who yeah. knows what could happen? No. Also, uh, when Peter checks in the hotel, right, that scene... Can Rachel or someone at the front desk just give away the most expensive suite to some? Like, is that something that people at hotels can do? I don't think they can do that. I don't think so. Maybe like a manager, but not just a receptionist. Yeah. I mean, that that's something I found a little bit incredulous. Like, you can upgrade somebody. Yeah. But if you have nothing to upgrade from, you have yeah. no rooms to upgrade from, like, you got to live in the system somewhere. That was... <laughs> I don't know, part of the confusion that I had with how uh, Rachel over time developed this, like, from pity to uh, attracted and, you know, that evolution of the relationship. But how did it precipitate? Like, it's just this very sad sap. So that's really funny because it's actually one thing that I wrote down myself is that can pity turn into love? I mean, not even love. Let's go from pity to whatever it it was on her face when he sang the vampire song at the bar. Yeah. Like, her face lit up, and it was like, oh, this is more than pity. This is, I admire him, maybe. Sure, he's an interesting person. Sure. But it's it's very, it's very quick. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's just... I, th- I think it's possible for someone to have all those feelings, but I think we're just, it's a very escalated timeline. Escalated? Sure. Yeah. Accelerated? Accelerated yeah. timeline. Um, do you want to dive into themes? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. So we were talking a little bit before about this, before we were started recording about emotional labor. Yeah. Do you want to kick it off? Tell me what you think about the theme of that in this movie. So this is, I think, one of the deeper things that only hit me uh, after our own relationship has, you know, gone on for a while. And it's... Yeah, disclaimer, Frank and I are married and we've been married for six years. Yeah. So, continue. But when when Kristen Bell reveals to Peter that uh, for a very long time in their relationship, before she started cheating with... Uh, Aldous Snow, she was trying to do a lot of things to keep the relationship interesting and push Peter to do, I don't know, bigger things. Peter, for whatever reason, was extremely content. And uh, he was, you know, eating the giant bowls of cereal, not really leaving the house, all the things that seemed to have grated on uh, um, Sarah's nerves. So throughout this process, it feels like Peter's unaware of this. And he might 
depending on his state of mind, been using the relationship as a crutch to not improve himself. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, it puts an undue amount of stress on the other person. Mm-hmm. And this can happen in both ways. Sure. But it's the fact that there wasn't a strong level of communication on what each person was trying to be, to do, and what they expected from each other. That just makes the other person have to work like an overdrive. And it's probably very exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Sarah was saying how she tried and Peter was just too stupid to see. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a very common theme in relationships. And um, the reason why I mentioned that I don't like Sarah's character, but I, I see that she could be very relatable, yeah. is throughout this, this is probably something that a lot of people feel about their significant others. And that particular scene just pulled it all together for um, yeah. for some people. I think that's the the most pivotal scene where we see Sarah for a little bit more than who she who we've seen her as, you know, like this kind of vapid actress. But I empathized with her in that moment because, to a certain degree, because, yes, it is... We've talked about this, how I feel like in our relationship, I hold a lot of the emotion... I carry a lot of the emotional labor. Yep. So, but I feel like I can tell you when I don't, feel comfortable carrying all this weight. I hope so, yes. So I find it a little bit hard to believe that they, Sarah and Peter are dating for five years before they break up, that this was never explicitly brought up. You know, she said that she did, she read books, she took, you know, love seminars, sex seminars, like, great, but it also takes two people to make a relationship work. I feel like she was, I mean... You know, she probably didn't want to or know how to tell Peter that she was carrying all this emotional burden. Mm -hmm. But I think realistically, obviously for relationships to have longevity, it's important for people to be able to share those burdens with each other. Yeah, that's, it's, it's very important. And I think the fact that this was, they were still dating. It was like four years in before. um, She started cheating. Right. But it's also, it kind of sheds light on why people do stupid things that they probably don't mm. really want to do. Like, they can see themselves doing it. Yeah. And they know it's wrong. But there are these other extenuating circumstances that are pulling and pushing internally. And the fact that Peter is so annoyingly stupid about all the efforts that she's making is probably, you know, letting her justify her actions. I don't know. I, I'm just... Yeah. I have no idea what's actually happening, but... I think it's a little too too little too late, you know? Like, had she shared all these feelings before she started cheating, maybe Peter would have wisened up and put more effort. I don't think he thought that he wasn't putting in effort. He was just being him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people grow. People get older. They take on more responsibilities in life and maybe he just didn't do some of that mm-hmm. and that's what weighed on her a little bit more yeah also she's 26 right in that in that movie yeah she's 26 yeah which means they started dating uh well, five years ago at 21 yeah 
I did not only this is probably the fourth time that I've watched this movie. Sure. I didn't pick up on the age at all. No, it's because we're older than when like when the movie came out, we weren't 26, you know, but now 12 years later, is it 12 years later? 2008 came out. Yeah. yeah. Um there's a different added perspective for when we see movies because we're obviously older. Things have changed. Yeah. Our lives have... We've gone through other things ourselves. But to... What's the word I'm looking... Um, it's a good thing that Rachel came along. Rachel helped Peter realize that he wanted to be a better version of himself. I mean, he goes back to... I think it's LA that they live in, so... Anyway, we'll get, we'll get to that point. Um... What other themes uh, do you kind of want to chat about? I think this is this is actually a, an interesting segue for uh, other types of rom-coms. Um, so one of the major themes was if you hate something, do something about it, change it. This is the heart-to-heart that Rachel and Peter have. Is it in the car? On before? the hike. Was it on the hike? It's on the hike. I'm not sure where it was. Uh, oh, on the beach? Might have been on the beach. Not sure. But the, the, that's the impetus for, for me, the thing that ties the entire movie together. Mm-hmm. Not doing what it is that you want to do uh, or doing things that you hate, I think was a lot of why the relationship didn't work in the first place. And also why the relationship between Sarah and Aldis didn't work. Because they were trying to be something that they weren't really uh, intended to be. Yeah. So when they have this heart-to-heart, it's representative of both Rachel and Peter. Peter doesn't want to be uh, a crime scene uh, sound person, and Rachel has been using this time to not really... Like, she stopped going to school, and she went to Hawaii, but she hasn't actually committed to doing the thing that she wanted to do. So this is actually a... Uh, in some ways a come to Jesus moment for both of the characters and I think this leads them and enables them to have uh, a defining self-discovery journey when Peter finally leaves the island yeah so one of the other topics that I have listed is like what is your favorite scene but this is actually I think my favorite scene is this heart to heart Mm -hmm. on their hike you know they are kind of commiserating about their broken hearts and he peter says something like maybe it's good that we got our hearts broken it makes us impervious to pain yeah and she's she's like well then you know they make a joke and she's like well yeah we'll just jump off the cliff he's like no 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 that's that's not literally what i meant (laughs) but i think that this conversation with Rachel and this trip to Hawaii helps Peter kind of reset and realize that Sarah's not for him and that maybe, you know, we need a counterpart who will push us a little bit harder. Mm. Get out of our comfort zone. She keeps telling Peter to get out of his own head. Maybe he's just like internalizing things too much and she, Rachel, is just like, dude, like, be cool. Let's just live in the moment that we're in. I think, so, so that's partially, I think, a, I don't know if it's a rom-com cliche, but it's just a cliche in our culture mm-hmm. where 
at least for me, I know I overanalyze things mm-hmm. and living in the moment and all those associated activities. That's something that I strive for. But at the same time, I, I feel like this movie is also doing a very good job at exploring escapism. Yes. So I wrote that down myself. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so at, at the dinner between uh, the two couples, yeah. I, I think uh, Aldis and Sarah were having a little bit of difficulty. And then Rachel and Sarah started like um, taking digs at each other. Yeah. So Sarah says something like, um, I don't know, uh, Hawaii is a place for people to go who can't deal with uh, real life or something sure. like that. And it was specifically meant as a dig toward Mila Kunis's character because that's exactly what she did. Mm-hmm. But I, I think our culture, in broad terms, romanticizes escapism because we're all on this hamster wheel of the nine to fives and whatnot. Being able to be super carefree and um, not have to worry about anything is is really aspirational. Mm-hmm. But because of kind of what um, Sarah says, I also think it's it's a little bit dangerous of an aspiration to have because you end up potentially not just taking a break, you never get back into reality. And I feel like there's this, I don't know, romantic romanticization of the surfer dude, surfer gal, um, who doesn't have a worry in the world. And we aspire to that or we're attracted to that in some way, but it's, it's, it's an escapism sort of, uh, frame of mind um, and I, I, I liked how that was the dig at at Rachel because it kind of burst that bubble a little yeah, bit yeah that's a very introspective way of looking at it All I, for me the escapism was a lot of us go to Hawaii to escape I would also like to disclaim that Frank and I just came back from a vacation to Hawaii which is why we I felt inspired to chat about this movie and do a proper rewatch of it but I so wait are you saying that you agree with Sarah or are you saying you don't agree what do you what are you trying to say I don't think Sarah was trying to imply anything about Hawaii specifically I think she was trying to get under Rachel's skin right but I think it brings up this cultural assumption or this cultural uh, obsession with this surfer girl, surfer dude archetype. And it, it elevates them to a pedestal that we don't really intend it to be. We only do that because we hate our nine to fives so much. Yeah. I mean, Hawaii is a little bit more of a grand escapism. You know, sometimes you just take a little small escape route. Like you just meditate to escape. I think like... I don't know. Yes, Sarah said it to dig at Rachel. But Rachel in that moment, she's like, but that's exactly what I'm here for. That's why, like, I I like that I'm remote. I like that, you know, movies, I don't hear about certain movies, you know, because she was talking about the movie that failed. That she was Sarah, owning it. Yeah, she was leaning into this idea of escapism. Fair enough. Yeah, I want to go back to Hawaii. Let's go back. Um, 
Do you have a favorite scene? Uh, I it or was did when we kind of cover that we, we covered it. It was if you if you hate something, do something about it, change it. Yeah, easier said than done. I think that they literally uh, exemplified that by jumping off that cliff. Oh, oh, I didn't think do about something. that. Yeah. Do something that scares you, that you think will hurt you, but in the end, it doesn't actually hurt you. You feel exhilarated after jumping. So I, I want to take a moment there because Peter screwed his jump up and sure. almost died. Is that also a metaphor? I think it's a little bit of a metaphor because uh, me being the very risk-averse type of person that I am. Extremely risk-averse. Right. I, I don't think people should go and um, pursue their dreams without thinking about it. If you have a dream of opening a bar, maybe don't open the bar, right? You should pursue your dreams insofar that you're capable and have a reasonable expectation of being able to execute on your dreams. Yes, have a business plan. I think you should have a business plan. <laughs> like, don't, don't go wing it. Like, Peter was indecisive. He got his foot stuck. And that lack of conviction in jumping off led to some potentially disastrous outcomes. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate the message that the movie's trying to send. Mm -hmm. But as with a lot of Hollywood and um, cultural cliches, it's kind of nuanced. Um, your success rate is very much dependent on your abilities and you should pursue them, no doubt, but just be aware that there are usually some limitations. It worked out for them in the end. He got his, his they, they kissed for the first time in the water, you know, and obviously they end up together at the end. So they, they both leapt. Independently. Independently. Yeah. Um, speaking of rom-com cliches, I feel like this movie didn't... Ha yes, of course, there were a lot of themes, but I took away more comedic elements than the romantic elements. This movie, I think, made me laugh more than it tugged at my heartstrings. Yeah, I'd say that. So, like, the conflict in this movie isn't so dramatic that we don't ever think that Rachel and Peter will end up together. There's very few moments of actual, like, emotional conflict. Yeah. Because it opens with us knowing that Peter's heartbroken. Um, the quote-unquote conflict is him navigating his emotions. Right. And I would, I would also say that the point where they're... Uh, where Sarah's trying to give him a blowjob. Yeah. That, that is the moment of conflict. Yes. Because at that point, there's two directions. You have the, the happy path where he ends up and lives out this last couple of days of vacation with Rachel and this other more, um, I don't know, tr potentially getting back to with Sarah in a, in a not-so-healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. Like... That I think there was a moment there for, uh, where he could go either way, and it just so happened that uh, he ended up telling Rachel. Can we about talk it. a moment about Sarah? Actually, let me. I just had this thought that Sarah maybe. I mean, she says that she's still in love with Peter, and maybe she actually is still in love with Peter, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she only cheats on Peter because she feels emotionally burdened and she's tired. So she cheats on him with Alice Snow. But then she, throughout this 
um, trip in Hawaii, she's realizing all these faults that Aldous has, you know, and she's looking back of like all the supportive times that Peter was there for her, like on the, you know, on the red carpet or like wearing things like hideous things that she's buying for him just because he knows it'll make her happy. Right. So I don't know. I just, I just had this moment where I'm like, Oh, Sarah's actually still in love with Peter. But Peter is the one who's like, no, you're the devil. I don't want to be back. My... He says this line about how his penis won't get hard because... Because she's the devil. Because she's the devil. Because you broke my heart in a million pieces. I think that the, the truth is probably somewhere in between those, those things. Like, yeah. Sarah might be back in love with him. Yeah. But it could be a reaction to the fact that Aldous just left. So... Maybe she has those feelings now, but does she, like, love him unconditionally? I True. Don't, you know. It's also probably exacerbated by jealousy, you know? Mm-hmm. Her just watching him and Rachel hit it off. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a lot of emotions. It's, it's, it's not a clear, linear line. Can we, can we talk about that particular part of the movie? Uh, the dinner scene? Right after the... Right after uh, Sarah tries to have sex with Peter. Sure. So Peter, you know, gets out of there. Yeah. Immediately goes to Rachel. Right. And discloses what just transpired. Mm Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm thinking, he did the right thing. Like, Mm -hmm. as any, uh, most rom-coms would say, it's it's the failure to... Tell the truth that led to the, the result. This conflict. is the moment where misunderstandings would happen. Right. In this situation, mm-hmm. he chose to be fully straightforward. Right. And I was like, that is the wrong move. Oh. Be- but it's clearly, in most situations, the a right very move. The right, like the, I'm doing air quotes right now. Yeah. You're supposed to do that. And he does. Right. But at that particular time, because the relationship hadn't fully formed, whether. I don't know what it was. It was the wrong move for Rachel at that time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as somebody who usually tries to do the right thing, Mm -hmm. this was very uh, impactful from to like how I view the world Uh because you can try to do the right thing and you take a risk by doing that right thing. And it doesn't always work out because you did the right thing. There's so many other factors that, um, that come out and it could have been extremely reasonable for Rachel to never, let's say she never got the invitation to the vampire play mm-hmm. or she did get the invitation and decided not to go. None of this would have the happy ending that we really crave mm-hmm. if it was actually realistic. Rachel would have just said, you know, bugger off and bugger off. They lived their separate lives, wistful for, you know, the relationship that never happened. And there would always be these what ifs. Mm-hmm. Well, did I do the right thing for me? Or did I just do, quote unquote, the right thing? So that that brought up a lot of, like, existential type questions about wow. the right thing. Wow. Wow. It's, wow. It's tough being you, isn't it? It is. It's exhausting. So I actually had that moment, that scene sticks out in my mind, but for a very different reason. Do I think Rachel overreacted? Mm -hmm. 
I think that I do think it's great that Peter came clean to Rachel. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's realistic. I don't think in real life this is what would happen. You don't think he would do that? Correct. I don't think he would come clean. I think he would spend a lot of time in his own head, like, you know, Sarah means nothing to me anyway. Why would I tell Rachel, who I want to be with, what transpired? You think he would rationalize? I think he would rationalize. Maybe I'm projecting. I don't know. But I think that when he confesses what happened with Sarah to Rachel, and Rachel is like, tell me exactly what happened, mm-hmm. I think she has every, obvious not right, but like her feelings are valid, that she's hurt, she's upset. But she also knows that he and Sarah were in a five-year relationship, mm-hmm. that he was heartbroken coming to Hawaii. He clearly, like, has... I don't know about unresolved feelings, but it's clear that he was in love with her, with Sarah. Yeah. And that Peter and Rachel have spent less than a week together. You know, does she... I feel like I would be a little bit more understanding. It's interesting... It's good to get your point of view from this. Not to give you any kind of, you know, freedom to make some bad decisions. But I, so I'm actually kind of proud of myself for, for watching closely. Mm-hmm. So two things come up that uh, make me feel like this is a consistent behavior, at least. So well, from, from, from Rachel, oh, from Rachel. Oh, okay. So like in a vacuum, I could see someone being more compassionate toward this particular situation. But Rachel in particular... She came to Hawaii following some surfer dude, and that surfer dude immediately cheated on her. Mm-hmm. And Peter says, oh, he was an asshole. And she said... He's uh, just a dude. He's just a dude. And the fact that she classifies uh, that type of behavior to across, like, all men, it makes me feel like she's seeing this behavior again, mm-hmm. and she's automatically identifying it and tying it to destructive behavior she's seen in the past. Okay, fine. That's fair. Side note, that scene where she goes ballistic on her ex-boyfriend. I enjoyed that. That, I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, what's happening right now? This seems very out of character, but it also, yeah, I don't know. Watching it now, it has more entertainment value, but I think when I first thought, I was like, oh, this is a little bit shocking value like it's a shock value yeah she was straight up about to like throw down with him but that's maybe that goes to show how big of an emotional impact this like her past has had on her this person was so uh such a negative impact that she changes her entire persona and you know i there are a lot of situations where i'm normally a very calm person but once you get going there's this adrenaline that just starts pumping and then you just can't, you can't, uh, you can't do anything about it. And, uh, yeah, I appreciated that scene. Fair enough. Fair enough. Wow. Okay. You've given me a little bit more to think about. Um, should we, are there any things you want to chat before we fast forward to the ending? Um, 
Not really. I think the ending is, is a good uh, place to, to start talking about. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on the ending? Very unlikely. <laughs> Extremely unlikely. That she would fly from Hawaii to L.A.? And uh, come to the show? <laughs> that the mail gets to her. Yeah, that was also... Why is she opening personal mail? Or maybe you think Peter invited, like... Like the entire... The entire, like, staff? Maybe. That's not but clear, like that's, but yeah. I mean, I would also send an email. Or maybe DM or something. No, 2008, Frank. People were still sending snail mail. Okay, fine. I wouldn't leave it up to chance. I, I would have blasted the hotel with paraphernalia or something like that. Sure. So you like the ending. I, the, the things I liked about the ending are, A, I'm really glad that we get to see the Dracula rock opera. Oh, yeah. The, so I, I don't, I usually don't have these desires to go watch musicals, but You'd go I, see? Would pay, I would pay okay. Broadway money. How much money? Okay, so this is actually one of the questions I have. Is, oh, how okay. much money would you pay to go see this Dracula opera? Whew. So let's let's baseline this on like normal Broadway prices. So let's say for a new show, but uh, it's not on Broadway. Where oh, it's, it's not. LA. It's off Broadway. It's off, it's off off Broadway. Okay. So, it's just like I don't know. It, it wasn't like a Broadway theater. It's just like an amateur, maybe like where someone like does like improv. It's not. Oh, I paid fifty dollars to see this. You pay fifty dollars at least. And if it was Whoa, on Broadway, if it was on Broadway, I would pay two hundred dollars to see this. What? As much as Dear Evan Hansen, I feel like the themes that he was trying to explore. But you don't know that going in. You're like, oh, my friend Peter is throwing together this oh, ridiculous Dracula musical. I wouldn't, if I didn't know what it was about, and I just saw it was like a friend of Peter. Sure, fifty dollars seems fine to support okay. somebody. But knowing the content of that that song that he performed at the bar, with. <laughs> Uh, when Rachel was watching, like yeah. that touches on so many interesting dynamics of the Van Helsing Dracula relationship, mm-hmm. and the fact that he's a he's um, he can't die, yeah. that he's just going to live forever. I feel like Peter was would be really good at exploring those themes, yeah, in an entertaining musical fashion. I would pay fifty bucks too. I don't think I'd pay two hundred bucks to see this. Maybe 200 is on the high side, but I, I really like the music. Yeah, this also just... So I'm not a huge How I Met Your Mother um, fan. I think I've watched sporadically. I don't... You know, it was just in the zeitgeist, so I know a little bit here and there. But Jason Siegel, just watching this movie, I think he is a... Creative genius is a little bit strong. You know, I just think he's really funny. He's really likable. He, this whole, knowing that he wrote this movie makes me wonder where this comes, you know, what inspired him to write this. But also, like, the whole Dracula musical and then singing in a Dracula voice and then actually, like, getting to live out his Dracula musical dreams. It seems so random, but I think that's why I like this movie it makes sense it's original i hope that at some point during his career he does try to do an actual dracula musical and do like a limited run somewhere well i think like he did it with muppets right and i think jason siegel is a fan of muppets and i think he was in the muppets movies oh i did not know that yeah i don't know a lot about 
him actually. I'm looking at his IMDb. Uh, yeah, he did the Muppets in 2011. I mean, as Dwayne the bartender says, who doesn't like Muppets? Yeah. I love how Dwayne the bartender also can name 200 types of fish. So, Dwayne is my favorite character. Oh, really? I know you're going to ask that later, but I feel like while we're on that... Dwayne is very solid. He has such little screen time, and every time he's on screen, you can't help but laugh. It's not just that his delivery and the content of his delivery, like, all of those things are funny, but everything he says advances the plot. Which is not true of the other minor characters. Like, uh, Kenneth from 30 Rock, what's his name? Uh, the actor's name, Jack... Jack McBrayer. Jack McBrayer has almost nothing to do with the actual plot. Yes. Kunu, which is Paul Rudd's character, really funny. He's just, he has no memory, short-term memory anymore. You sound like you're from London. <laughs> uh, he doesn't advance the plot at all. No. But every time Dwayne the bartender talks, he... His first thing about the 200 types of fish mm-hmm. was actually really interesting because he left Compton, yeah. came to Hawaii, he stopped doing what he didn't want to do, yeah. he came to Hawaii, he's finding satisfaction uh-huh. in working at the t- hotel, he's getting to take three hour breaks to go swim with sea turtles to yes. watch them Have having sex, sex. <laughs> and he's like, he is the manifestation of the point of the movie. Escapism. And he's the reason why Rachel ends up maybe taking the flyer and actually going to, to L.A. So I feel like his participation uh, is used extremely judiciously wow. to advance the plot. It's a very lot, like a very specific set of rules for you to like this character, Dwayne the Bartender. Well, as I was thinking through your question of like your favorite character, mm-hmm. I was like, who are these other characters that I really like outside of the main ones? Yeah. And I was just going through, like, why did I like each of them? There are a lot of funny characters, but they lack the depth that, um, that they lack the contribution that Dwayne made. Yeah. I think my favorite scene with Dwayne is when Peter is, uh, he has taken the naked photo of Rachel off the walls. He comes back to the hotel, <laughs> drops it on the desk. Rachel sees him leave and then he hugs <laughs> Dwayne the bartender and another hotel staffer. And the look that Dwayne, um, Dwayne gives Rachel is just hilarious like it's incredulous like how could you not want this man yeah the way that he explains it to her is like he's mid blow job (laughs) do you know how hard that is for a man mid blow job do you know what blue balls are (laughs) okay that's that's a that's a great very thought out reason to have Dwayne be your favorite character um I mean I would also be remiss to not bring up the fact that Jason Siegel goes full frontal twice in this movie. It's bookended by him being naked in the beginning and then also at the end. Like, oh, yeah. It's very progressive. I think this was like... We always see women naked in movies. Was this maybe one of, you know, like these lighthearted rom-coms? Not like a drama or anything right, like that right. a lighthearted rom-com to see the male parts yeah i'm I, trying to think of other like male nudity full frontal nudity in like a rom-com and i can't 
think of any off the top of my head. No, I think this was, this was one, maybe the first, this is the first time that there's a dude entirely naked and there's no female nudity. No, zero. Like we don't see any boobs. Yeah. It's, it would be like, I don't know. It's like a reaction to the first few seasons of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Maybe it was done purposefully. It's like, let's not objectify women mm-hmm. anymore. Let's objectify the man. And this being written by Jason Siegel, it seems like, you know, this would be his opportunity. But it's also like, we're not watch, we're not looking at him objectifying him. Right. It's done out of humor. It's exactly. Like, he's out of the shower and she breaks up with him on the couch and... You know, and then when she, when Rachel walks in on him, like he's just mid change. Like it's it's definitely meant for for the for the humor. Um, I have a question here. I don't know if we need to dive into it, but like, are these characters likable? I think we talked about it a little bit already. I think a lot of the supporting cast is likable, right? They don't. There's no reason for you to dislike the supporting cast, and all this. For all of his faults. Yeah. He's he's consistent with who he is. Mm-hmm. So I find that very likable. He's flying his true colors all the time. Yeah. And you either like it or you don't. He's yeah. just going to keep keep doing him. Yeah. He doesn't come off to be like a rock star asshole. He's just like... I wonder if that's who Russell Brand is. Is he playing himself in this movie? I never saw him in Get Him to the Greek. So He's great in that movie. Oh, I've never seen it. Was that before or after this? No, it's after it's because after. he okay. plays the same character. Oh, he does. Isn't he Aldous Snow in Get Him to the Greek? I only watched that movie one time. Oh, well. Was Jonah Hill in that too? So he is, but I, all, I when I was reading about this Forgetting Sarah Marshall, he plays a different character in Get Him to uh. the Greek, but he is in that. So speaking of supporting cast, I think my favorite is actually Bill Hader <laughs> as the stepbrother. I think maybe it's because I identify with him the most. Could you tell people what to do? Well, okay, you know, you don't need to be so (laughs) direct about it. I think it's because when I think someone is making a very bad call, I am that person who's like, no, don't do it, don't do it, get over it, like, let's just move on. I think his comedic bits are great him yelling over the phone like just like small things here and there they're not like great one-liners but his presence throughout the movie is just steady funny and is just a great uh i don't know yin to peter's yang i guess i like how his wife was uh, popping in and out of the the video conferences yeah 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 that was funny liz um so do you think the rachel and peter stay together she bought a one-way ticket, or like an open-ended ticket. Like, let's LA. say this movie ends mm-hmm. five years later. Where are they? Five years later. I don't know. I yeah. did not prepare for this question. <laughs> um, Off the cuff, go. So Rachel was in school for something. It remains to be seen what it was for. But mm-hmm. I assume they stay together. Uh, Peter pushes her to finish her education. Mm-hmm. Uh, she supports Peter in pursuing his kind of musical dreams. And I get this feeling that they end up opening, they collaborate on some sort of entrepreneurship type thing. Hmm. 
uh, I don't know what that is. Maybe like, um, I have no idea. But I think they stay together. You think they stay together? Okay. I I am less convinced. I think that they, for five years at least. I think okay. five years down the road, they might not be together anymore. I think that they do um, move forward with a relationship. I think that she stays in LA, she probably looks for a job, and Peter gets to live out his musical dreams. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I find it a little unrealistic that, I mean, maybe this is, again, me projecting, but they only spend a few days in Hawaii together. That's true. They don't know, they know each other on a very deep level in Hawaii, but like, Getting to know someone day to day in their regular life is also completely different. There isn't really a foundation of this quote unquote relationship. So you're saying they probably fall in love and then have a very passionate love, Uh but I don't think it's a lasting love. Uh, Okay, I think that's fair, and I would go so far as to say like they would have the same chance of survival in a relationship as. A couple who had met, fallen in love, and tried to make it work. No more, no less. But based on what you've seen, there's nothing more about their relationship that suggests like they have something more to to build upon. Yeah. Hmm. Um, do you... So, I talked about this earlier. Uh, did you get emotional at all in this movie? The, the second time, or the third time that I watched it... So, I, I cried one time. Oh, really? Uh, not... Not last this, night. Yeah. But it was when she, uh, Peter was able to see her uh, in, the, in the audience while he was performing. Mm. Oh, wow. I teared up that time. But rewatching it last night, I had no waterworks whatsoever. Yeah. I don't... I didn't get at all emotional in this movie. I think any time I've seen it. I think I mentioned it earlier, but like this movie is just straight up a funny movie to me. Where some romance happens, boy gets the girl, girl gets the boy at the end. But... I think this movie is great in the sense that it helps me escape, like we yeah. talked about. It really made me feel like I was back in Hawaii for a hot minute. But yeah, I, I like the conflict wasn't great. So it's all just a little happy-go-lucky rom-com. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really leave a lasting impact, but it's there's like some there's some short-term lessons to be learned. Like, you might take a little bit of this into the, the coming week, but it doesn't sit with you for a whole lot, uh, a whole lot of time. Yeah, agree. Um, we can start to wrap this up a little bit. Um, do you... So this movie clearly was very successful. It's a pretty high IMDb rating. It made a lot of money. Why do you think this movie was as successful as it was? I mean, it's just entertaining, right? There's... There's this veneer of of celebrity um, behavior um, that's mm-hmm. fun to poke holes at, yeah. like the satire of of Alba Snow. You're just making, you're seeing, uh, what is it? The song uh, inside, inside of, of you? you. Oh my gosh! Very so catchy, catchy song. So catchy. And you're like, I could see this being made today, and we might actually listen to it. Yeah. So all of that stuff with like the unrelated behavior that Jonah Hill exhibits. The Paul Rudd stuff, the Jack Brayer stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, or, what's his name? Jack McBrayer. McBrayer. Yeah. It's funny. It's entertaining. Yeah. 
Um, and it's very little reason to hate on that. Yeah. Since it's put together and it moves forward at a brisk pace, it's just enjoyable. Yeah. I think, like, the star power that this movie has at the time it came out, I think we were talking about it, like, again, I wasn't a How I Met Your Mother fan, but this was, like, in the middle of the height of that show, I think. Mm-hmm. Mila Kunis arguably was the most famous person of the cast at the time. Um, I looked it up that that 70s show ended like two years before this movie came out. So I think yeah. she was, she's a family guy, you know, like Mila Kunis has kind of been around in um, pop culture for a while. So, and then Kristen Bell, again, we talked about, from my research and my knowledge, she hadn't done anything super mainstream before this movie. Oh, she was the detective. She has Veronica Mars. Ver- yeah, yeah. But I think Veronica Mars was like, it just started. It wasn't in its height in 08. Was it? I thought it was. It predated. Oh, maybe. Oops. I'm not a Veronica Mars watcher. This was the movie that introduced me to Kristen Bell. Okay. Um, and then also Judd Apatow, right? So like, he has his crew of people. You know, like Paul Rudd, Jonah Hill, Jason Segel. So I think people already knew like to expect a funny movie. Knocked Up came out before this movie, so yeah. Um, do you think this movie aged well? In the last few questions, we can wrap up. Um, I think it mostly holds up. I don't think there's there's themes that really can't be explored today because yeah. the primary stuff is still about relationships. Right. Some of the stuff I think would have to adjust based on the climate of today. Um, so, I think one of the things rewatching this was, bitch was added to the end of a lot of words like um was it aimed at women no it was like hua hua puka nua wow bitch <laughs> and that was a few times throughout the, like they're they used it in that way throughout the movie oh. and then uh when mila kunis uh rachel is in the water after jumping off the cliff uh-huh. she screams to peter uh i can see your vagina from here yeah. i can see your hoo-ha yeah. implying that He's not jumping because he's, he's not man enough. He, yes, and the the contrapositive of that, or the other side of that, is like because he's a girl, he's afraid. Mm-hmm. And especially with a lot of the campaigns that have been going out, uh, like throw like a girl, mm-hmm. like the empowerment there is in direct opposition to the way that um, gender and sex are used here. Yeah. I think that that maybe is the most uh, telling line of dialogue that hasn't really aged well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we talked about like there's not a lot of female nudity, which I appreciate. Like there's it being a Judd Apatow movie and being written by a man. There's no overtly like gay jokes or homosexual jokes, which I think has happened in other John Apatow movies. Oh, the older ones, probably. Yeah, like 40-year-old virgin, like, Uh now how I know you're gay, those really off-color jokes. But yeah, I think overall this movie aged well. The fact that it's taking place in Hawaii, I appreciate that there were, it looks like native Hawaiians that were in the movie. You know, like, there, Dwayne is African American. There was a little peppering of non-whites mm-hmm. in this movie there's i know you and i have talked about like that one scene where peter is at the breakfast buffet and then he's like look he's miserable and he sees this <laughs> asian couple like taking touristy photos there have been many times where it's like 
wait, Frank, are we are we that couple? I feel like that's the scene that inspired uh, the Tumblr blog, which was, uh, this is a while ago. It's like people taking pictures of Asians taking pictures of food. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that blog is still out there. No idea. It probably still is. But I thought that was that was a funny that was a funny interlude. Yeah. Um, the one other thing I would mention is, I feel like the polyamorous lifestyle has become a little bit more mainstream on in certain parts of this country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like the way that Aldis was extremely open with uh, multiple partners and whatnot. Right. I feel like he would have at this in this movie tried to convince Sarah, Sarah to like join him with other women or right. something like that. So that particular stereotype of the, the rocker type person and keeping that part well, of his Well, I don't think he was intentionally polyamorous. I think he was a rock star who knew he could get laid by anyone that he wanted to, you know? Like, there's a difference there. I think he was having sex because he knew he could have sex with whoever he wanted. Mm-hmm. I don't think... Polyamory is... A little, bit, uh, a little bit more involved than just having sex with other people. Okay. From my limited knowledge. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is more on me than, than the movie. <laughs> Any last final thoughts? Uh, I would just want to... I just want to mention, like, two of Dwayne's quotes that I really liked. Okay. Uh, one is, he's like Gandhi, but better. <laughs> yeah. Um... And then all of the... So this is actually not Dwayne, sorry. Sure. So it's all of the bad British imitations. Oh my gosh. Boucher, 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 boucher. Right. So, so Kristen Bell does boucher, boucher, boucher. And then Kunu does one too. So Paul Rudd does yeah. an imitation. And then Jonah Hill also does oh one. Oh my gosh. You're right in front <laughs> of a Russell Brand. Um, Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Oh my gosh. So funny. It's probably my favorite uh, British impersonations. And there was this like TikTok video a couple, couple weeks ago that uh, was making fun of, of British accents, which I thought was in poor taste. But in this movie... You watch TikTok videos? No, it was on, tw- it was on Twitter. Oh, okay. I saw it. Sure. I'm not, I'm not personally on TikTok. Sure. Mm-hmm. But... Right now. I, I, I love this movie and its British accents. Yes. Um, so to wrap it up... Frank and I give this movie a very hearty thumbs up. And if you haven't seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall, do yourself a favor. Definitely go see it. And uh, hope you'll enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Bye.